welcome to High Tea with Farah. This podcast is all about homeschool, nutrition, travel, and things that inspire and enrich me. Get cozy, get comfortable, and let's get inspired together. Hello and welcome to High Tea with Farah. Today, I am super excited and honored to have my stellar friend, Lena Khan, on my podcast today. Lena is a close friend of mine. Lena and I go way, way back. We were both in Nashville, Tennessee, spending time together, and that is where I got to know her a little more. We spent time eating, discovering cinnamon toast crunch at Panera Bread, and spending countless hours discussing our love for California. Yes, that is Lena. Lena is a Canadian-American writer and a director who recently finished a major studio film for Disney. Lena graduated from UCLA School of Theater, Film, and Television, where she studied directing and film production. I have been super impressed with Lena's dedication and commitment in teaching her son how to speak in Arabic. Her son can speak fluent Arabic. She studied Arabic in Egypt and other places. Today, we will learn a little bit more about Lena and her Arabic journey and what helped her teach her son speak in Arabic. Salaam alaikum and welcome, Lena. Wa alaikum salam, Farah. I'm so happy to have you on here today. So tell me, when did your journey begin? And before that, did you? how were you exposed to Arabic? What piqued your interest? And did you speak any conversational Arabic before? No, I mean, I grew up, my parents are South Asian, and I don't know, there was always something in our family that we just wish we could understand the Quran. Without a translation, my family is, um, you know, we grew up watching Jeopardy, my dad likes to, you know, emphasize the importance of education and really being able to, like, engage with with texts and, and understand them and just know what your Lord is telling you without as much barriers as with as little barriers as possible. Um, and so it was always a thing. Like my mom used to go to the masjid and she used to ask all her Arab, the Arabs over there it was an Arab masjid. She said, Can you teach me Arabic? Can you teach me Arabic? And it was surprising because a lot of them, um, they said they weren't equipped to, um, it's not, not apparently it's not something, you know, all the Arabs can do. And so it was always kind of like a desire. I was at UCLA. I took the Arabic program there, you know, did, you know, Al-Kitab for those who are familiar, which isn't a great book. Right. Um, and you don't actually, you don't get that far. Like I took two years of that. But when I went to Egypt, because I knew like, I was like, this is not enough. And mm-hmm. I knew I always wanted to teach my children, future children at the time, Arabic. Mm-hmm. So I went to Egypt. And when I, when I came in after two years of UCLA Arabic, I only entered at level two mm-hmm. out of like something like 12 levels or something. So it didn't get me very far. Right. Um, and I spent something like five months in Egypt. Um, and that's all I did it's doing, mm-hmm. you know, seven hours a day with tutor with a with a tutor there uh one on one which i think is the best way to learn personally um right. to learn arabic mm-hmm. and then i came back here forgot half of what i learned and <laughs> tried to take it back up after a few years mm-hmm. i got a tutor on skype which yeah. is now a wonderful opportunity um for people that we can get into later um mm-hmm. she was in jordan and got to pick up a little bit more of the arabic and then to wrap this up when i when i had my son and i was like this is now it's go time. This is what I've been training for. Uh, and I wasn't that equipped. I couldn't speak fluently or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the commitment off of advice from other people that I'm only going to speak to him in Arabic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was kind of a learning curve. You know, at the beginning, I just, you know, sometimes I make up some words, to be honest. <laughs> but I made sure to never speak English with him. And so I learned as he learned. And now, you know, 
now we both know every Arabic animal, every animal in Arabic that there is. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know how useful that is, but that's where we are now. That's awesome. So how did you go about teaching them in Arabic? What were some of the steps you took and what, what helped you? Um, so for us, it's, it's hard and easy at the same time. So mm-hmm. we use something called, it's a methodology called the OPOL, which is O-P-O-L, one person, one language. And that is that you commit one parent, one person will speak to the child in one language, which I was that person. Everybody else in my house speaks English with him. Mm-hmm. And after a while, about two years, maybe three years, he mm-hmm. understood that I'm not going to respond to him in English. And mm-hmm. so from there, we didn't have to actually, like, we didn't formally learn together. Our learning was just through communication and mm-hmm. a lot of books, like a heck of a lot of books. So mm-hmm. now I just like comb through. I'm always like my little hobby, um, combing through like texts that are being translated into Arabic um, because they're usually translations, although now there's some really nice Arabic publishers out there for children's books. And we usually learn from there. Mm -hmm. Um, Exposure to a lot of the books and then us speaking and then there's some audiobooks and things like that. That's how he's learned. And now I've become familiar now with that methodology works if a parent is speaking a lot. And then there's other ways that are also very useful for people to do if, you know, if they aren't able to do that. Right. So tell me some of the ways that um, a child can speak in Fushara Arabic if their parents do not speak any Arabic at all. So in in my situation, I don't speak Arabic. Um, I understand very little, but my husband understands it. He speaks a little bit, but, you know, he's in and out of the house working. So it was really hard for me to teach them um, Arabic. So tell me some ways that people can do that. Yeah, for sure. And, and it's something that's humbled me quite a bit uh in this journey because I think like because I'm just starting to homeschool my son too and you know very well how uh <laughs> I get about those things but it applies and I realize you know other people get anxious about things for Arabic and and, uh, and a reminder before you know the resources is that there is honestly always somebody who is doing better than you <laughs> your child. like for instance like I'm speaking with my child but I'm not a native speaker right. so sometimes I see native speakers who know um, modern standard or classical, or even Arabic, and they're speaking and their children is on it. Their child is on a different level. And I just can't think about that, you know, because then there's other people who are looking at me and they're like, Oh, I wish I could do that. So it's always a spectrum. And it's like, you do whatever you can. And honestly, they're all better off than any of us we were. Yeah. <laughs> and so, exactly. you know, so, um, so it's levels like top levels, like, okay, you're native speaker. Great. After that, if you can speak, uh, fluently, you know, and you speak with your kids after that, they're there. And in, in, in these other levels are very good too. Is I think exposure is the most is the biggest thing. Even if you don't understand, um, the I I really have seen uh, <coughs> how much <coughs> how much children learn from just exposure. So picture books, children's books are wonderful these days, and literally just reading them. So my husband will read um, to my younger son right now, and he mm. picks up so much from that. Even though my husband has no idea what he's reading. <laughs> uh, and you will find um, a wealth of bookstores and things online. Like we can talk, if I want to get into books, I'm super Arabic book nerd. I can tell you all the good ones in a little bit later on, but I don't want to go down that road unless prompted. Um, but there's also, if your child watches cartoons, there are, you can, you could probably learn that your kid could probably learn Arabic just from cartoons. My child doesn't do, do uh, as much of that right now for various reasons, even though I'm in film, but um, for instance, there's learn with Zachariah, um, Iftah Yasim Sim, Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these are Adam Omishmish. Um, these are all on YouTube. They're free. The Siraj Arabic series, um, Saud Wasara. 
those are all like people have picked up so much from that. Um, there's audiobooks. There's something called Kitab Saudi. Okay. Um, it's an app that has Arabic books. It is a subscription service. It costs about $7. Okay. Um, and then if you YouTube, you will find some audio stories. And then after that, it's just, you know, reading them yourselves. Now you'll even find like Harry Potter in Arabic. Oh, wow. No way. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I, um, Imam Saheb was my neighbor uh, when I was in Egypt. And okay. when I asked him how to learn Arabic, he mm-hmm. told me to read Harry Potter and Mickey in Mickey <laughs> comics. And that's what I did. He and I would read Mickey comics. No way. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's cool. Mickey and, and Bundok and all of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I'm excited about this. I, I can't yeah, wait. To have <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so- uh, and then, so there's, I mean, there's so many other things. There's... um. You, if you're lucky enough, I mean, I think the winner, if you have the means, is to find an Arabic-speaking nanny. And it is painstakingly difficult. But if you are in a greater metropolitan area, metropolitan area, or a suburb outside of one of them, one of them, you can. Sorry, I'm speaking weird. You can usually find um, something like so. And it's and I'll tell you, if you try to look on like care.com and things like that, it won't be the first way you find it. You have to put the word out with everybody you know. And then one year later, two years later, somebody might come around. And that's how our search came for. I had somebody who before COVID um, would come twice uh, twice a month. And now, alhamdulillah, like she reviews Quran with my son. She does all the like she's my son loves her. And they do these things even over Skype when when he can't really endure online things with many other people. Yeah. Um, there's on now online, like there's uh, online, there's like uh, one called Sisters Arabic where people will teach you, like there'd be like a tutor who will teach you online. <laughs> the key is to try to find somebody who's a little bit more fun because mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, like the stereotype, you know, <laughs> like auntie Arab teacher who's maybe not fun. But yeah. if you find one who's fun, uh, it will make all the difference. And I think that's the first thing you should look for, somebody who will engage with your child as a child. Um, and then, like in Southern California, or there are some places that have like schools that have, you know, you can yeah. that they conduct themselves in Arabic, and that just kind of if you have one of those and you send one of your kid your kid to that, that's also wonderful. Okay, so um, so like a learning center. Yeah, like a learning center where their almost their purpose is to teach your child the second language. Oh, okay, cool. That's where my kids actually started learning Fusha and um, that's, that's all the exposure they had. And they would go maybe like six hours a week and they picked up a lot. I felt like I put them in at the right time. And um, we actually went to Egypt two years ago and they, they were able to navigate their way around, even though they speak Fusha and in, in Egypt, they don't really speak in Fusha, but they pretty much understood a lot of the things that the people were saying there. So, Little kids are sponges in this weird way. Uh, and so Anything you can expose them to. And so you'll find um, resources online if you want to do a more kind of formal, like you teaching them Arabic. Like a lot of things I'm talking about right now are exposure, this and that. But, you know, they have um, resources online like Arabic Seeds has um, has printables, has, you know, things that you could go through, all that sort of stuff. They have a website called Waraka Learning, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. Like my son just learned last week to... There's a song where you learn about all the planets in the solar system and it's in Arabic and she's nice. so engaging and so fun. Um, it is a paid thing, but uh, it's not that often. It's like, it's almost like unit study type things. Um, and cool. so there's a lot of things like that online. 
Okay, that's nice. So um, I'm excited to learn about your Arabic speaking nanny. So what does she exactly do? And I know you mentioned we could find somebody in care.com and it's not easy finding an Arabic speaking um, nanny. So tell me a little bit about it. So if I do find somebody and she comes home, what are we supposed to tell her to do? I told her, do whatever you like, but <laughs> don't speak any English to him. And that's it. So she takes care of him. Mostly um, she reads books. She read, that's just their favorite thing in the world. And I kind of accumulated an Arabic book library, which is a little, the problem is, yeah, that is, that is a cost. So uh, if you have resources in your area where you can borrow them from each other, this and that, or, or just get some good ones. <laughs> you know, at your house, picture books that the kids will engage with because there's a lot I have found uh, for most kids um, that have either, either taught or my own children. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sounds so terrible, but until recently, picture books that were translations of English books were the winners. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just so much more fun. The illustrations are better. Nowadays, they do have some publishers. Selwell Publishers is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful books. Um, but other than that, I used to actually Google like you know, Arabic translation. <laughs> and it would be like, <clears throat> he has anything from Tom and Jerry in Arabic, mm-hmm. which is, you know, two, two actually like nice ones. Um, Pooh Bear, he has Pooh Bear said things in Arabic and there's just, he really, really like loves them. Okay. Did you ever get to um, find, um, if you give a mouse a cookie in Arabic? I didn't. I searched so hard. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. They have where the wild things are in Arabic. Mm-hmm. That's a nice one. Um, there's also a, a service called Arabic Book a Month Club, which goes worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sends, and she uses media mail, so it does tend to be cheaper. And she'll send you anywhere from one to three Arabic books a month based off your child's age. And they're they're very well curated. Oh, cool. I'd love to look into that. So um, now that we're both in Southern California, are there any bookstores that I could go to just to pick up some books? Or do you have any recommendations? Yes. Uh, I always go to Jarir Books. It's J-A-R-I-R, which is in Anaheim. Okay. They have everything under the sun and they have such good quality books. It's You have to hunt around there for a long time, which is a little bit. Yeah. I'm hoping I can update my Instagram where I used to take pictures of just books my son loves, um, mm-hmm. which you can find. I have a list of Arabic resources, by the way. It's um, The website is, oh, it's bit.ly. So okay. B-I-T dot L-Y slash Arabic resources. And that has a list, giant list of resources to kind of help in um, Arabic learning. Um, That's the, if anybody wants to borrow books from me, just message me off my website. (laughs) I'm in San Gabriel Valley. I got like a million of them. Uh, But other than that, Jareer is great. Okay, cool. Yeah, Lena has a library in her house and we borrow books and I have friends that that borrow from her and she's been an amazing resource. Um, And I go to Jareer as well. It's like a kid in a candy store. They just have so many great books and I you know, I pretty much want all of them, but I get confused. I'm like, what do I want? So, um, so your son, um, is he able to communicate in fluent um, Arabic now? Yeah, he is. I mean, the things that are within his age, like he's not going to talk about the government right now. I try to stay a year ahead of him, basically, in his <laughs> Arabic vocabulary, which is a constant struggle. Like right now, I'm learning about the solar system. Oh, wow. um, but other than that, yeah, he can communicate. That's awesome. And then how long did you see, did it take you to see results? I mean, at the beginning, it's difficult because the child is learning to code switch, which is when they learn to which parent they're going to speak to in what language. You have to be very stubborn at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So with my younger son right now, I pretend I don't understand him when he's speaking English, Mm -hmm. but he's two. 
right? And now he gets it, you know? Um, so it took, you know, by the time he's three, he was probably, I want to guess, three, three and a half, he was speaking. He knew that he was just speaking Arabic with me. Right. Okay, that's good. That's pretty good. That's dedication and that's time commitment and all of that. That's amazing. Um, so, so tell me, like, what advice do you have for someone who wants to teach their child in Arabic? Um, some parents can speak in Arabic, but they don't speak Fusha. Is there a benefit of teaching them Fusha? And um, what advice do you have just in general? I mean, my goal... Uh, was more for my kids to be able to understand the Quran as much as possible and the hadith and things like that. So I, um, you know, I've only emphasized fusha with them. I don't know anything about um, colloquial Arabic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know whether that, but I mean, I do know parents, for instance, who one parent, <laughs> they're an Arab family, so they want their kids to speak um, their dialect as well. So one parent speaks the dialect and the other one speaks fusha with them mm-hmm. so they can understand. And I think that's a, a really good plan. Um <laughs> As far as advice, I think it's the best way because to be honest, a language, learning a language is really hard and it's a very full commitment and it's difficult and people only have the resources that they have. And I think not being too hard on yourself is really important because to be honest, you know, maybe I just, you know, I've gotten excited and into it, but my son doesn't need to know how to say hamster years from now. So I think making sure that people, because I feel like sometimes we need to be nice to ourselves in that way. At least some of my friends remind me that <laughs> for non-Arabic things. And mm-hmm. I'm reminding us here. So like, think about what do you want your child to speak Arabic for? You know, mm-hmm. do you want them to just understand Quran? Because maybe you don't, he doesn't have to be completely fluent in things. Maybe mm-hmm. you can follow Arabic seas or, or, or some of these things or a disciplined program and teach him the grammar while exposing him because that helps him uh, learn the grammar like him or her unconsciously like so let's say let's say you use arabic seeds or one of these things or you just went to jurier or online and you saw like arabic curriculum like let's say the medina series mm-hmm. they have picture books it's a good series and you said i'm just going to teach my kid through that and then i'm going to expose them through whether it's cartoons audiobooks reading the picture books and then what i'm going to do is once a week that's what i do with my son we do like a little quran journal he's not good at journaling but we basically we go through it's very like painstakingly slow we go through the quran and we just stop at a word he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do one one word a day. So we're literally only doing a few words a week. And that way, but you see, after months and months and months, you build up that, okay, now he knows this entire surah. We both know this entire surah. So that might be a way that if your child is small and you don't know Arabic, mm-hmm. you have a realistic way that you can achieve some of your goals over a course of many years without like dying under the burden of like, I need to learn mm-hmm. an entire new language. Right, right. That's true. Sometimes it seems daunting, you know, like, it's just a lot. Like, for me, I don't speak Arabic. It's not it's not part of our household, of course, the Quran, and we try to understand what it means. And that's a different style, right? You listen to somebody explaining an ayah, and then you get it and you move on. But for someone to to actually understand what they're speaking and use it in their daily language. So believe it or not, but my kids, when they, they want to speak uh, between each other and they don't want me to know, then they actually speak in Arabic. And it happened today in the car <laughs> where my first and second child started speaking. And then my third child chimed in and she was, you know, answering them. And I'm like, what are you guys saying? And they're awesome. like, mumkin, mumke, something. I was like, what are you guys saying? And that, I was like, I wish I knew Arabic. So, so I totally get it. Like it's, it's hard learning languages is hard 
That is so fantastic. But that's one of the pluses. If you do have siblings, getting them to, I told my older son off of somebody else's advice who's taught their kids Arabic, mm -hmm. tell the older children like, hey, I need your help in teaching the younger child. Can you help me? And it empowers them and it makes them learn more themselves and it helps them use what they've learned. And once they're speaking with each other, it enforces it. So that's a, a really good way to go about it. Right. Um, are there any games in Arabic? You know, games in Arabic are round. <laughs> they're not great. They're, oh my gosh, can I even think of, they, they're not good. <laughs> Let's just say that. There's puzzles and things like that. Uh -huh. There's um, Monopoly Go in Arabic, but you know, you have to be at a kind of higher level for that. So um, no, there's not good at games in Arabic. Okay. <laughs> I have Arabic Uno that I saw. <laughs> but yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's literally Uno, but in Arabic, and you can only get it from me. Like, you can go off that website I mentioned and and message me because, you know, it's sort of proprietary, and I just made it as a, as a like, just a hobby type thing and for, for me yeah. and families, I know. But games in Arabic, I look all the time. They're not great. And they're for, they're for quite advanced levels, so, yeah. Mm, okay, cool. Um, well, that was awesome. Um, so one of the... Uh, I think Pictionary, uh, we we have Pictionary. And so we started playing Pictionary in Arabic. And so my kids will actually guess <laughs> guess the words in Arabic and they're trying to figure it out. And it's it's worked fine. But like you said, like it's, I haven't found a game that's like, that's sustainable and that we enjoy and that, um, you know, that I can say, hey, let's do game night and let's play a game in Arabic. I haven't found something and I'm really on the hunt for that. So if you ever come across something like that, let me know. Definitely. And I'll put it on that website of mine if I find it. But as you can see, there's no games there because they're not great. When we do games, um, we've, all, we've been taboo in Arabic where I've either made my own cards and put the Arabic words or done the English cards, but the rule is that you have to speak in Arabic. And it usually ends up because, you know, levels with the children, different children who are here, um, partial acting and partial talking. Right. Some will have limited thing, but that's that's very useful. Right. Um, and also, I remember we, I, about a year ago, we used to meet with you once a month. And then um, I remember you did some Arabic games with the kids and the kids still remember that. They're like, oh, yes, like I, I think it was jump to the left or jump to the right and jump two steps forward. And my kids still remember that. And they actually play that in the backyard now with each other. Oh, we should do that more often. Yeah. Um, uh, games do help for when you're practicing conjugation. Mm -hmm. So we do things like you make a board. We made a giant connect four board. So mm -hmm. you have, you know put it on a whiteboard and then you make the words and then some people color in blue, some people color in red. Mm -hmm. And in order to color it in, you have to conjugate that word correctly because conjugation is one of those things that's just not fun to learn. Mm -hmm. And so when I say, when I'm stressing exposure, like mm -hmm. even if you don't speak Arabic and you're just teaching them, like mm -hmm. instead of doing it through exposure, it's good to read all these children's books and things like that because then they'll unconsciously learn um, conjugation. Conjugation. Yeah, that's awesome. Even in the Quran, my son was pointing out like, oh, mama, this is like feminine. And this is this is not, you know, this is a Tamar Bhutan. This is Ina and Annie and all his like grammar. And I'm like, how did you do all this? And he's like, remember that board that Auntie Lena used to Aww. have? I'm like, no way. You need to tell her that. Because we got to pick up on that again. That was amazing. <laughs> we always thought it's not working and it's boring, but no, it actually worked. Like, at least for my kids, they loved it. Post COVID, we should do more things like that. It always helps to do all this language learning in groups. Yeah. And it's fun. You know, it's fun. It's fun when 
they don't like going to some uh, so my kids go to the Arabic learning center in Southern California and so they don't enjoy it as much they love playing with their friends and the teacher is actually amazing it's a play-based learning center in California and um, they do a lot of fun activities now they're learning grammar and but they don't enjoy it. I mean, it's some, my daughter's like, Oh yeah, mama, it's stressful. And his father does this and that. But when they come back, I know they're learning and I know it's working out because they're speaking to each other in Arabic without, you know, (laughs) (laughs) so um, thank you so much, Lena. This was amazing. You shared so much information today. Lena's uh, website and resources will be in my show notes. Um, and this was such a great and beneficial talk. If you want to get a hold of Lena, I will share her email and her information on Instagram. I hope and pray that we are all able to teach our children Arabic and that they become people of the Quran. Thank you so much for being here, Lena. Thank you all for listening. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Thank you all for listening. I hope you're inspired and it was fruitful. Until next time, connect create, and continue on. You can reach me at High Tea with Farah on Instagram or at my blog at highteawithfarah.com. Please enjoy the frame drumming by Brahma Farah.